Welcome to Supply Chain Radio, where experts talk, where opinions are shared, and answers are provided. My name is Greg Kiefer, and I'm your host. Today, I've got John Atherton with me. John is the uh, colleague of mine here at GT Nexus and is VP of Solutions Consulting. Uh, John uh, has spent a, his, almost his entire career really on the front lines uh, with our prospects and customers, uh, helping them identify value areas, developing ROI business cases, and really helping these guys understand uh, the immense upside of a supply chain technology uh, platform that can lead, uh, be injected into their enterprise. So, John, welcome. Hey there, Greg. Thanks for having me. So, uh, in the spirit of value and ROI, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in the context of supply chain visibility. And the reason I want to dig into this is because, you know, there's a lot of noise, a lot of hype out there around visibility and how great it is. And I think, I think everybody deep in their bones knows, like they kind of need visibility, but probably they all know they don't have it or don't really can't articulate what it means to their business. So I'd love to just spend some time with you kind of understanding that because look, you've, you've helped sell visibility deals. And um, I'd like to start by, how do you define visibility? Great question. There are a lot of different aspects to visibility. Of course, the most common one probably is, where's my stuff? And when someone says that, they mean, Where's my inventory? The, the red shirt or the dump truck along its route from origin to destination. But visibility could also mean visibility into costs. How, how do I know how much it costs to get a red shirt from Shanghai to St. Louis or a dump truck from Peoria to Prague? Uh, another aspect of visibility is visibility into the freight rates. What are my freight rates and, and am I paying the right rate when the invoice comes in? Or how do I use freight costs into my estimated landed cost for products. So there are a lot of different aspects of visibility. And in fact, one of the first things we do when we gauge in clients is we ask them that, what is your definition of visibility? Well, that makes me wonder, what do they normally say? Yeah, so first thing is they, they, they're focused on this, this concept of physical inventory visibility. And so who cares? Well, uh, there, there are a couple different concrete examples um, that typically come to mind first and are linked to value. And I'll give you a couple examples. First one is usually around syncing up and making sure that you have enough supply to meet demand. So let's, let's take the perspective of a retailer. You have estimated demand where you're trying to sell a red shirt or a couch to people like my wife. And if that couch or red shirt is not available when my wife wants to buy it, you're gonna have a back order or worse, a canceled order. So the whole trick is about knowing where your inventory is on the inbound side to sync up and meet demand effectively. That's called a fill rate. Another example is at your distribution center. The folks and operators in your distribution centers are probably trying to plan better for inbound freight. How many people should they have on hand? How much space do they need? And so in that need, or in that aspect, they have visibility to containers and shipments. When are they coming and when are they gonna be early or late? Uh, so, I mean, is, do you think that a lot of companies think they have visibility, but really don't in terms of what you just described there? I think that a lot of companies do have visibility, but it's not nearly to the level of what they could have. So it would be very common for a customer to say, oh yeah, I have a system for visibility and I can track all my shipments around the world. And after digging a little bit deeper, what they really mean is that they collect data from different ocean carriers or air freight forwarders manually. They have to normalize that on their own and put it into a system called Microsoft Excel. I mean, it's electronic and you can sort on the columns and that's their system. But they have no idea that you could get a neutral based 
system that's their own that works across all the providers and automates all that stuff. Wow, it makes you wonder how you know they get uh, stores filled with Christmas merchandise at the right time. It blows my mind. It still happens today. I was just in to see a, a top tier manufacturer uh, the other week in automotive who has that same exact approach. They have multiple three PLs across region. They're manually pulling down Excel-based data. They have an army of analysts that's normalizing it, and then they post that file to a central server uh, where the different plant operators log in to s seek those, uh, those Excel files. So if I'm hearing you right, it means they're spending a lot of money, wasting a lot of money uh, to, to make that happen that way. It is. I mean, quite frankly, I don't think it's a smart investment. Uh, there, there are other ways to put those dollars uh, to get a higher return. Uh, and that's really what the, the engagement methodology is and building a business case is all about. Right. So, I mean, I guess going back to what we started with here, value. Wow. Okay. Yeah. In my heart, in my fiber, I want visibility. Yeah. I want what you're describing here, this control tower that I can see everything, all the docs, all the costs. Um, boy, how do, I, how do I sell that? I mean, look, management agrees, but you know, you need to tell them what it's going to save me. So how do, you, how do you describe that? How do you define that when you're working with clients? Yeah, the, the way we do that with clients is we work with them to understand their current state of affairs. Uh, we diagnose and catalog areas that could be improved. We map technology components to that to show how we can solve it. And then we quantify the potential value areas in Microsoft Excel in an ROI model. And we bounce that off the level of investment required across three or five here horizons. And then we boil that all up to and publish it in a, in a PowerPoint-based business case. So I'm sure there's a long list of, of value areas, depending on what kind of company you are, what your supply chain profile is, but uh, maybe you could share maybe one or two real low-hanging fruit areas, say for maybe an importer uh, or a manufacturer, maybe a couple of examples for the audience. Sure, yeah. So I, I guess really for, for a lot of customers, uh, especially with, um, with pretty global and complicated organizations with both inbound and outbound, uh, these companies really focus ultimately on the, um, the, the concept of a cash conversion cycle. This is really basically an expression of how effective a company is at using their cash. And it's an equation, and it's got three inputs. The first one is days payable outstanding. That's a, an expression that, that describes how long it takes you, on average, to pay your suppliers. So if you're an importer, you want your days payable to be long. You want to pay as late as possible. So one value proposition is extending DPO. And by extending your DPO by two, three, four, five days, you can send, save millions of dollars in your cash conversion cycle. Example number two that goes into that equation is cash, uh, cash uh, that you garner from sales. This is day's sales outstanding for manufacturers. Uh, so for example, a company like Caterpillar or someone that's delivering uh, goods to an, a customer overseas wants to get paid as soon as they can. So you need to decrease DSO, and you can do that by, uh, by making the invoice cycle faster. And for most of the clients I've talked to, that's triggered through getting uh, automated data feeds into that process. And the third is day's inventory outstanding. And this value proposition is really around shrinking the average cycle time in your inventory pipeline or improving the predictability of it. So instead of having a variability of plus or minus 15 days, if you scope that down and make it more predictable, a customer can carry less safety stock to buffer for those deviations. Okay, well, um, interesting stuff. I'm going to put you on the spot now. So I'm a $20 billion manufacturer of uh, auto parts, 
for uh, large uh, OEMs that make cars. Um, if I have a somewhat prototypical supply chain and I move from spreadsheet kind of siloed visibility into this kind of this control tower like I got all my documents, all my costs, all my inventory tracking uh, on the, all the metrics you just kind of walked us through, how much can I save in a year, you think? Just estimate. I mean, give me a ballpark based on your experience. $20 billion company, what am I looking at? Yeah, yeah, I'd say across those different areas of automation on finance and trade, you know, the value proposition is easily anywhere from, I'd say, 12 to $18 million annually. Uh, these are usually three-year projects, and our ROIs go out across those horizons. So you add that up, and that's, you know, more like a 35 to $4 million proposition. Wow. Okay, I want to do it again. I like that. $5 billion retailer. What about that? Well, it would be smaller, less moving parts, um, uh, fewer shipments, less inventory. You know, I'd say the proposition for a company of that size in retail is probably more like uh, 5 to $8 million a year. Wow, great. Well, hey, thank you, John. Uh, that was great. Very enlightening. Again, this is Greg Kiefer signing off. Until next time, thank you.